Welcome to Hope for the Heart. This is William Rogers bringing the message today from Revelation, the book of Revelation, and we're looking at a verse-by-verse study of this wonderful book. In fact, I'm all the way through to uh, chapter 6. That's where we are in continuing our progress through the book. And so if you're joining us today, the context for the message today is Revelation chapter 6, finishing the section, verses 12 through 17. I began this section last week and looked at the first two verses, verses 13 and verse uh, 12, I mean verse 12 and verse 13. And today I want to look at verses 14 through 17 of Revelation chapter 6. So if you don't mind, let me read this section to give you the context so that uh, you'll have a better understanding of what it is we're going to be looking at today. Again, Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 12, it reads, And I looked, and when he broke the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the earth, I mean the stars of the sky, fell to earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. Verse 14, And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up in every mountain and island was moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the commanders, and the rich, and the strong, and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? You know, Scripture is an amazing thing, especially when you have an event that's this uh, dramatic or this terrifying to read. This is a real event. This is really going to happen to the earth one day. Uh, I told you last week that, uh, you know, these environmentalists and this climate control people think that the man is messing up the earth right now. Wait till they see what God's going to do. And this is what God's going to do. This is all part of this. And I don't mean to be facetious or sound ridiculous on that, but this really is an event that's going to happen, and I actually believe we're very close to this event. And so I want to look at this today with uh, with that context uh, given to you, and we'll begin with uh, these verses, verses 12 through 17, and we brought this out last time. Uh, this sequence here in Revelation chapter 6 is a a sequence that needs to be understood in companion with Matthew chapter 24. I think it's important to understand these because this, uh, and also Revelation chapter 19, because this event here, if you don't know anything about chapter 6 or the rest of the book of Revelation, you could get very confused during the tribulation period if you realize that this is the tribulation period, which it is, And you see this event described here, and then you read Revelation chapter 19, and you see and read about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you might get confused because you could see, which I have actually heard people say this in Bible studies, that in the tribulation period there will be two appearances of Christ, one in chapter 6 and one in chapter 19. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not true. That's uh, someone who doesn't really understand the book of Revelation. I think you'll see what I mean as we get into this. But uh, last week I brought out that this is the same event that's spoken of in Matthew chapter 24. follows the same chronology. Uh, What does? Well, chapter 6 of Revelation follows that chronology. You come through Matthew 24 and you come to verse 29. It says immediately after the tribulation in those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of heaven will be shaken. 
and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. It's the same event as what I just read. This event in Matthew 24 is the same, and the things that precede this in Matthew 24, from verse 3 all the way to 28, is, is, is given to us here by representatives here of the seven seals that will be opened. We're on the sixth seal now being opened. And so, it, I know it kind of gets to be confusing, but if you could just look at chapter 6 as, as uh, almost separated from the rest because it's more of a, a summary. You take verse 1 all the way to verse 17, verse 1 of chapter 6 and all the way to verse 17 of chapter 6, and you've got the whole span of Revelation uh, from chapter 7 all the way to 19. It's almost like a summary of this. And it is, I, don't, I hope I'm not confusing the issue, but this is the same event spoken of by Revelation chapter 6 that I just read and that that's contained in Matthew 24. Most people think when they think about the second coming of Christ, they think of Matthew chapter 24. Uh, and, and that is the same event. Uh, just prior to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24, you read false Christs and false prophets come along and they say, here am I, you know, uh, they, they proclaim to be Christ and bring peace and, and then all of these other things happen. And you can see that with the opening up of the six seals. Now Luke 21 follows the same pattern, the same sequence, and that's verse 25 that says, there will be signs of Luke 21, verse 25, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and upon the earth dismay among nations, perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. And then it says, men will die from fear and the expectation of things which are coming on the earth. I know your translation may say men will faint, but we looked at that last week, and that word faint really means to die. Men will die from fear. So this that I just casually read, is the most terrifying event the earth has ever seen. It's the most terrifying event that man has ever seen. And it's all you almost can't read it uh, as, as, as the way it's going to be. In fact, you, you can't read it because we have no idea just how bad that's going to be. But when you read verses 12 through 17, I, I can't even fathom in my, my brain what that would be like for suddenly that to happen while you're sitting in your house, say about to have dinner, and suddenly the, the earth just shakes violently. Uh, I've, I've talked to people who have been in earthquakes, and they say it's the most frightening thing to feel uh, the, the house you're in or the building you're in or outside on the ground shaking like that. You don't know what to do. You don't know whether to run, to fall down. You don't know whether to try to get inside of a building or get out of the building. It's just a frightening thing. So it is a very real thing. In Luke chapter 21, it's the same event spoken of. And it's, it's a traumatic thing. So what we're going to read today with uh, the reaction of the, the people on the earth fits Luke 21. They are going to be scared literally to death. Men will die, it says in Luke 21, verse 25, and the, uh, from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Well, that's what we began to read last week in Revelation chapter 6. So you can see it follows very clearly. And then Joel chapter 2 picks this up. Joel the prophet. Uh, if you go back to look at Joel chapter 2, uh, he says a day of darkness is coming, a day of gloom, a day of thick clouds, a day of dark clouds. And then in Joel 2 verse 10, a time of the earth quakes 
and the heavens tremble, and the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. Verse 30, wanders in the sky and wanders to the, on the earth. Blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord coming. So it's the same event, whether it's uh, uh, John saw it in the book of Revelation, uh, or, or uh, Luke saw it, or Matthew saw it. Uh, Isaiah sees it in chapter 29, verse 6. He says, The Lord of hosts will come, and you will be punished with thunder and earthquake and loud noise, whirlwind, tempest, and the flame of a consuming fire. And so we have opened this section up beginning last week in verse 12 and 13 and began to look at these frightening or terrifying acts of God. And we only got through the really the first four. We looked at the earthquake, and we, we saw that that was... Actually, an interesting thing, interesting way to translate that because earth is not even in that translation. When you actually go to the original language and look in verse 12, it doesn't say earth there. It says a great shaking. And we said last week that this is, the earth does quake, but it's not an earthquake as, as the way we think of an earthquake. It's the whole universe is shaking. Uh, the first thing he mentions is the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, careening out of the sky and the sky splitting apart like a scroll and then only does he say every mountain and island starts to move this this is a shaking that is more than an earthquake it is the seismos of the universe it's the shaking of everything and so we looked at that last week and then we looked at the sun and the moon and the stars of the sky falling as a fig casts its unripe figs when shaken and so it, you can see how terrifying of an event this actually is. But as far as this today goes, it's, uh, I wanted to show you that it's the same event as Matthew 24 because so many people uh, refer to that to me because they say it's a, it's just a different event. They just it's, it's hard to see all of this. But this brings me to a, another way to compare this, and this is what the Bible calls the day of the Lord. Well, man's having his day now. That's one way you could look at it. But the day of the Lord is coming. And now in this section, verses 12 through 17, it doesn't use the phrase day of the Lord. But this is what the Bible talks about some 24 times, 25 times and throughout the Bible. refers to the day of the Lord. Uh, it's some like 19 times in the Old Testament, 4 or 5 times in the New Testament. And it's a, it's a day that needs to be understood. The Old Testament prophets said about the day of the Lord. Listen to what Isaiah says. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty. Upon everything lifted up, it shall, it shall uh, bow low. Wait for the day of the Lord. It is at hand. Isaiah 13, 6 says in verse 9. Uh, in Isaiah 13, verse 9, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes. Here's a definition of it. Cruel with both fierce anger to lay to lay the land desolate. Uh, Jeremiah saw the day of the Lord. It's used there in Jer Jeremiah 46.10. And I don't expect you to actually try to turn to these verses. You can just listen to them or record them and go back and read them later. But Isaiah, I mean, Jeremiah 46 verse 10 says, This is the day of the Lord, the, the, the day of the Lord of hosts, a day of vengeance. 
that he may avenge himself on his adversaries. Joel writes about the day of the Lord. For the day of the Lord is at hand, and shall come as destruction from the Almighty. And then he says, for the day of the Lord is a great and terrible day. It's the same chapter, verse 31. He says, the sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming and great, terrible day of the Lord. Amos writes, and I know not many of you probably have read from Amos lately, but in chapter 5 it says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord, for, for what good is the day of the Lord to you? Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Malachi talks about it. They'll send the Elijah the prophet before the coming and dreadful day of the Lord. Zephaniah talks about it. Uh, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. Six times it's referred to as a day of gloom. And I'm giving you all this so that you can understand. This is not just something that's in Revelation. This is all through the Bible where we look at this, this event. It's been warned ever since man's been on the earth. Referred to as a day of doom. It's been referred to as a day of vengeance. It's always defined as a time when God unleashes his final fury. And there's always a sense that it is near in every generation. Ezekiel 30 verse 3 says, The day is near, even the day of the Lord is near. Joel 2 says, The day of the Lord is coming and is at hand. Joel 3.14, The day of the Lord is near. And you get, you get the point. And so many of these verses say it like that. So the prophets have warned and the New Testament writers have warned that the day of the Lord is coming. And here we're reading about it coming during the tribulation period. Actually, this part would be called the great tribulation period because it's at the end of the second half of the tribulation period. So with all this in mind, you read chapter 6 of Revelation and you come to verse 17. The great day of their wrath has come. It's finally come. It is only reasonable to assume that this is describing the day of the Lord, the sixth seal that opens the day of the Lord. The final fury of God's wrath wrath is here, and what a day it will be. Um, So this day of the Lord, I want you to have this, just as a little additive thing here. I want to add to a footnote, starts toward the end of the seven-year tribulation time. And it really comes in two waves. The first part of the day of the Lord comes to the at the end of the seven-year tribulation, the actual day when Christ comes. And then the second part of it is at the end of the, uh, the millennial kingdom. I know that sounds like a strange thing, but we'll be explaining more of this as we look at and get closer to the second coming and the millennial kingdom. So it comes in two phases, and there will be a thousand years in between those two points. Yes, there will be a thousand years between the second coming of Christ and the end of the millennial kingdom. So, now in Peter's second uh, epistle, I think it's abundantly clear because of verse 10 of chapter 3, Peter says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Uh, uh, Same terminology. And he says when the day of the Lord comes, the heavens will pass away with a roar, the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And so we we put that after the, the millennial kingdom. So what I'm saying is this, follow this thought, is that the day of the Lord comes in two phases, one at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, and then a final phase at the end of the millennial kingdom. As he comes and he, he consumes what is existing, and then the millennial, uh, then as the millennial earth and heavens and inaugurates the new heaven and the new earth, which is the eternal state. That's Revelation chapter 21. So you say, well, how then is it that one day is 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 signified here when it says the day of the Lord 
if, it, if you're saying, William, that it's separated by a thousand years, well, Peter actually gives us that too. Peter gives you the answer very clearly in the same text when he says, in verse 8, uh, you know them, you, you probably all know this, do not let this one fact escape your notice, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. When the day of the Lord comes, the fact that there's a thousand year interval in between it is not difficult to understand as far as the way the scriptures have laid it out. Here it is above and beyond time. And with God, a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years one day. So this is the larger context biblically in which you have to see the sixth seal. So it becomes very interesting that all of this is the sixth seal. The seventh seal hasn't been un- unopened or hasn't been broken yet to open. And so we're we're at that sixth seal, and we're looking at this that we're calling the day of the Lord, and it's the same event as Matthew chapter twenty-four of the second coming of Christ. And so Luke chapter twenty-one twenty-six says this, and I want I remind you that some say they will faint from fear. The word faint again we mentioned is they will be scared to death during this time. It's a very frightful time uh, in which the, the the people on earth will have a reaction. And so we began looking at these things last week, verses 12 and 13. Again, we got four of them done. And then in verse 13, the stars, we looked at that last week last. The stars of the sky, remember, uh, fall to the earth. And obviously it can't mean just a star because if a star hit the earth, it would be so massive for the most part that thousands uh, of times, if not millions of times larger than our own sun, we would consume us before it ever even hit here. So it's fair to assume that this has in mind asteroids or meteorites, whatever other objects are flying around in space that begin to uh, to fall to the earth. It's also possible that even stars begin to fall out of heaven towards the earth and light up the sky. But all these things are coming out of the sky are like fig tree casting its unripe figs when it's shaken by a great wind. Then the stars start to fall apart. Uh, start to fall, and the earth is, is bombed by careening bodies uh, in the in the in the heavens. Uh, these stars and pieces and all burning up. And so, uh, in the looking at verses four uh, in chapter six, verses fourteen through seventeen, I want to kind of break this down so you can have an idea of it. Now, I've given you an outline, or I'm giving you an outline. I wish I had a way to get it to you in print, but I don't. Uh, so in this section, I want you to notice, number one, the picture. There's a picture here I want you to see, and it's verse 14. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up in every mountain and island removed out of their place. Now remember, this is a real event. And this fifth component is that if you, you took a scroll and stretched it all the way to its limit, it would be like a, a canopy, and having stretched it, it split in the middle and just rolled up on two sides. The sky, as we know it, disappears and every mountain and island moved out of their places. The earth begins to tremble. The shifting uh, crust layers of the earth begin to move. Now, that is what's described in this sixth seal. That is what this is. This is the, the picture here of this, as we talked last week, terrifying acts of God. There will be terrors in, in Luke chapter 21, verse 11. There will be terrors and signs in heaven. The stable sky, the sky from which we can navigate, the sky that's always the same, that is absolutely predictable hundreds and thousands of years into the future, we've always thought. Men can tell you what is going to orbit and where, and we, we just we, we have that stability there. And where will it be when this is uh, so unpredictable? Will instantaneously, or that which is un, that which is predictable, will become 
unpredictable. In other words, the sky is not going to be predictable anymore. The word or the world will know uh, something drastic is happening because of all that we recognize here with these <coughs> terrifying acts of God, from the earthquake to the sun to the moon to the stars. And now the sky itself splits apart. Again, I can't imagine the frightening scene of that and how terrifying that would be. So there's a reason for the fear. These terrifying acts, all the way in verse 12 through verse 14, are they are terrifying. So uh, the second thing I want you to see is not just the picture found in verse 14, <coughs> excuse me, but I want you to notice verse 15, the people or the range of the sphere. In verse 15, how widespread is it? Look at what it says, the kings of the earth. The great men, the commanders, the rich, the strong. You know, in those five categories, you have the elite of the world, the kings, the great men, the commanders, the rich, and the strong. All describe the upper class or the elite. Everybody all over the world is going to be involved in this fear. And he starts with the elite, and he's going to see, and he can't avoid it. It's going to come to that. It's going to be visible. It's going to leave its tremendous impact upon this earth, and every single person on the earth is going to know that it's happening. And so nobody is going to be left out. Everybody is going to see it. Everybody is going to feel it. Everybody is going to experience it. Isaiah writes about this event in chapter 2 and all the way through verse 19 of, of, of Isaiah chapter 2. But to the redeemed, Jesus said in twenty one twenty eight, when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawn nigh. When the redeemed see this, they know the kingdom is coming. And there will be redeemed there. <coughs> there will be people actually being saved out of this. And I know that's a hard thing to imagine, but it's actually going to be true. But I want you to notice, verse 15 covers all the people of the world. It doesn't matter where in the world they are. It covers all men. And it covers all types of all over the place. Uh, nobody is going to escape this. And so we can see that it is inclusive of everyone. And so it, it becomes even more widespread and more traumatic to, to study this because the people are going to be frightened. In fact, uh, here in this section, number one, I want you to notice the picture in verse 14. Number two is the people of verse 15. But then number three is the response of these people. And that is, they panic. Uh, the people panic, but they, they, they don't panic uh, to, to, the, to the same degree that we would panic, but they, they do panic. So in verse 16, I want you to see the panic first. In verse 16, the panic. They said to the rocks and mountains, they, they speak to the mountains, uh, that is the, what they're going to do because they're panicking. But the panic is there, and we'll get into what they're going to say in a minute, is they don't know what to do. This panic is talked about in Luke chapter one, it, uh, 21. It talks about in this panic, people will be dying because of the fear that is going to grip them. Uh, the fear that is going to grip them causes them even more panic. And so it is, it's a very amazing thing to see this panic. Uh, and they scream out, and, and uh, number four would be uh, the prayer. Uh, these peep, the picture here of the sky splitting apart, 
all the people in the world are involved in this panic, and they're all going to be involved in the prayer. But look at the prayer. This prayer is actually an amazing prayer that uh, not, is probably not something you would ever pray unless you're going to be here at that time. But look at verse 16. Everybody on the earth, everybody in verse 15, are panicked, and they cry out, they scream, it actually translates, to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. How about that for a prayer? Uh, I know I've mentioned this before, and I've heard several writers actually talk about this. It's going to be the greatest prayer meeting the earth has ever been involved in. Except they're praying to the wrong thing. They're not praying. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say they, they, they cry out to God that they see, that, that they see sitting on the throne and, 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 the, and the, the lamb that is before them. They don't cry out and repent. It says they cry to the rocks to fall on us. In other words, they say to the mountains, cover us and the hills fall on us. It's a death wish. It's, 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 it isn't even rational. But they would rather die than to face God. They know his anger. The lamb is angry. They know what has come. The great day of their wrath has come. And who will be able to stand it? So the question is, who is able to stand? The answer is, no one. So we see the picture here in verse 14. We see the people in verse 15. We see in verse 16, we see the prayer and the panic and, and and it is covering everyone. The destruction will come, and they shall not escape. First Thessalonians five three says. So the fear is a terrifying scene. But Hebrews ten verse twenty six says, if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer a sacrifice for sin. And so it is a terrifying expectation of judgment found in verse uh, Hebrews ten twenty seven. Terrifying expectation of judgment and fury of fire will consume the adversaries. And so this is a picture of that. And so John sees this. John sees this, and this day is going to be a great and terrible day. And uh, I know that many writers have talked about this and being a, uh, one of the greatest prayer meetings the world has ever gone through, except it's going to be the worst prayer meeting. It's not a meeting. People don't get together. They're too busy. Imagine being in your house. This is the picture. And your house begins to shake violently. And I, who knows how noisy it will be with all that is happening. And it will suddenly get dark. And you go out and the sun is, if it was in the daytime, the sun is, is, is no longer, uh, it's, it's dark. And the moon is blood red. And you start seeing meteors falling. And you can tell that this is just not your normal day. This is something violent that's happening. Something terrible is happening. Uh, and everybody will do this. And then all of a sudden when the sky is split apart, what they, the reason it says the sky is split, split apart is so it can, it can reveal heaven to them. Heaven will be opened up clearly like a window opens up, and they'll be able to look right into heaven at the very throne of God and see him who sits on the throne and the Lamb himself. Imagine that scene. I can't imagine that scene. I can't imagine how fearful and devastating of a scene that will actually be. But that is the scene here. It is the scene of the second coming. And it says, "Great For the great day of their wrath has come. There is no escape. 
Notice again that there is no repentance here. You don't see any repentance being described here. Why would you holler if you see Christ in the heavens sitting at the throne and the wrath of the Lamb? I don't know how that actually, how they see that, but it says they see that. Why would you not fall on your face and repent? If an event could make you repent, if judgment could make you repent, you would repent. But here again is the truth that you, man is not free to repent. Man cannot repent unless God grants him permission to repent. It doesn't matter how much tribulation people go through, and we're going to talk about this in several other places, how much pain they go through, how many different uh, uh, parts of judgment there are. And we know there's 21, and if you count all the the seven seals, trumpets, and, and bowls, 21 different judgments here. And there's still people that just do not repent. In fact, thousands and thousands and thousands of people will not repent. Several times, like nine times, it says, and they did not repent of their deeds because they couldn't. They could not repent of their deed because they are so centered in on themselves. They are so living in sin. They cannot even see the light of the gospel. And yet the gospel will be proclaimed. The gospel will be preached, and it will be preached all through the tribulation period. And remember now, when they come to this point, How do they know how to describe what they're seeing in heaven? How do they know of the wrath of the Lamb and the the, the throne of God? How do they know what this is? Well, it's because of the gospel has been so vividly portrayed all through the tribulation period and warnings have been going out that men have been told what this is and so when it happens, they know exactly what it is. That's what makes it fearful. That's why they are going to know the great day of their wrath has come. This is a revelation to them. This is saying that they know their day of wrath has come. Their day of reckoning has come. Their penalty and the punishment and judgment has come to them. And they knew because they were told it was coming. And so they were told by the by the 144,000 uh, witnesses that are going to go out here after this in chapter 7. They know from the two witnesses that come along, some say Moses and Elijah. Uh, they know from the, 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 the angel it's, itself, even that we're going to read where an angel even flies about in mid-heaven, preaching and teaching the gospel, encouraging people to repent and repent and repent. And they don't repent. Well, circumstance doesn't make them repent. Only God can do that. And so we see here, that is why they do not repent here. They would rather have these acts, uh, these death wishes for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them. In other words, kill us. We don't want to see God. And you know what? They think the mountains will crush them. And if the rocks crush their lives, they won't have to face God. But listen to me. They are wrong. They are wrong, wrong, wrong. They will have to face God. They cannot hide from God. They cannot be be put to death, and that will keep them from facing God. They cannot. That is a terrible thing. This is a, a day of, 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 of wrath that is coming. The day of the Lord is a terrible day. 
It is a day on for those people on earth that will will be a day of their wrath, a day of judgment for them. Now, this finishes chapter 6. So for now, this is uh, William Rogers bringing you again the message found in the book of Revelation. And we've been looking at Revelation chapter 6. We've now finished Revelation chapter 6. And so next week or next time, we will look at Revelation chapter 7. And we're going to see one of the most misunderstood sections of Revelation talking about the 144,000. And so, uh, again, this is William Rogers thanking you for listening to Hope for the Heart. And join me again next time. And in the meantime, continue to read your Bible. Do not take your Bible for granted. We're living in some very odd, weird times here. And I know they're confusing times for so many people. But one of the things that you can have for your encouragement is to begin reading your Bible. If you're not reading it, get into a regular but daily Bible reading time. Don't worry that you don't understand it all. Just read it. If you can start with the Gospel of John, begin reading the Gospel of John, just a paragraph a day, and see how God will begin to bless that and open your eyes to that. Pray before you ever open the Word of God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you reveal to my heart in my mind what this is I'm actually reading. Give me an understanding And I think you will not be disappointed. Thank you again for listening to Hope for the Heart.